Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I am delighted to say I'm now joined on the phone all the way from America by mighty Mike Sherman. Mike, are you well? Doing well, thank you. Good, good, good. Now, I've been reading some stuff about you, and uh, you've been getting praise from some very big names indeed. For instance, Mr. Tommy Castro describes you as the best blues guitarist, singer, and songwriter you've never heard of. Yeah, I like that quote. It is a brilliant quote. Um, But you've worked with uh, Tommy Castro a few times, haven't you? Yeah, we're old friends. Actually, uh, we just played... uh, I I, I worked with Marsha Ball also uh, uh, playing guitar for her. And we played a festival the other day in San Jose, California. And Tommy was on after us. And we were talking... There were a bunch of people from the old days in San Jose when we all used to play at a club called JJ's. And we were just all talking about how, you know, it's been 30 years now that we've been crossing paths. And, you know, back then we were all just playing this little bar, learning how to play blues. (laughs) And actually when Tommy Castro moved to uh, San Francisco from San Jose to join the Dynatones, this before he even had the Tommy Castro band, I replaced him uh, hosting a Sunday jam session. Right. And that um, at JJ's, and that would have been probably 1990. Right. I, I, yeah. thought, I thought this crossed my mind that when you were saying about back in the old days and it's been 30 years, do you see yourself as a, a torchbearer for old blues? Um, I don't consider myself a, a torchbearer as much as a student. Right. Continually learning then. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, um, I mean, I try to, you know, as, as evident by my most recent album, I'm into, you know, I love blues. I love blues guitar. Albert Collins was my hero. T-Bone Walker, I sat with for many hours learning T-Bone Walker licks. But musically, uh, I I think I occupy a, a broader spectrum of, of musical space, especially in my songwriting. Yeah. So I'm probably, if I were going to compare myself to anyone, it'd be more blues-related music, uh, guys like Delbert McClinton or Doug Somm. Yeah. Well, there's another quote that I saw when I was doing the research, and it says about your new album, there's a, a line in there, it ain't getting old, it's just getting good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's pretty much what you, you've just said, that you are just carrying on, and it's starting to get, well, not starting to get good now, but it is good. Well, thank you. Yeah, just trying to keep learning every day, keep writing. Uh, you know, I think that's really where I've sort of flowered. I think in the last uh, with the last three albums is uh, is you know people started really giving uh, giving me encouragement on my songwriting. So I really sort of went down that road more than more than guitar. There's so many great guitar players in blues mm. that can just play. I mean, and then when I moved to Austin, Texas, in in 2009. And that's a town where, I mean, you could be sitting there and you could order a pizza and the guy, play, you know, serving your pizza it probably plays circles around you. So, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. just, I realized at some point I, I'm not, I'm not going to be, you know, I, I don't, I didn't have a whole lot to add new to the genre uh, in terms of guitar playing. But I think there's always good songs that can be written and stories to tell. Well, you say when you moved to Austin, Texas, you, 
you have been a bit of a, a rambling man throughout your life, haven't you? You were born in New York, raised in New Mexico, lived in California, and then you moved to Austin, Texas. Yeah, now now I live in Reno, Reno Nevada, which right. I moved during the pandem- pandemic. So, but, you know, uh, when you're, I've been 30 years on the road. When you've moved from these places like New York, New Mexico, California, all those musical influences that you inevitably pick up from them, that must have inspired your music then. Absolutely, especially the move to California. I moved to California when I was 18, and I moved from a small town kind of in the middle of nowhere. I mean, uh, Los Alamos was a unique town. It's a, it was the birthplace of the atomic bomb and and a very unique place. Everybody there had has PhDs at the, the laboratory as the main uh focus of existence there so it's a unique place but it was in the middle it's in the middle of new mexico and there's not really a lot of uh you know there's no city life there's no uh, some music would come through people would come through on tour i saw bb king there Uh, i saw a lot of rock and uh, jazz groups come through um frank zappa and pat Metheny. and but as far as blues i wasn't exposed to blues until i got to california really, in, in 1984, and I heard Albert Collins within the first month I was there. And that was it for me. That just blew it open. It was like a door open in front of me and another one shut behind me. I, I was standing at the music store the next morning wanting to buy a Telecaster. The, the owner of the store had to push past me to open the door. So that was it for me. That was my, my epiphany. And from there, I just got deep into blues guitar, and uh, especially Albert Collins and, then, and influences of his. That's where I started getting into T-Bone Walker and then playing in bands. And there were just a lot of gigs around uh, California at that time, especially around even just the little town that I was in in Santa Cruz. We had a lot of gigs. I started playing with a great harmonica player by the name of Andy Santana. He turned me on to a lot of great Chicago blues. And there were radio stations. And this is uh, probably the most important thing. Back then, there were so many in, in the Bay Area, California, there were a lot of great public radio stations that had blues shows on. I quite often ask people, was there a song or an artist that they saw that turned them onto the blues? Obviously, you've just mentioned your Eureka moment. So what were you listening to prior to that then? Was it just the, the pop hits? Uh, it was more blues-related rock guitar. I was into Stevie Ray and Jimi Hendrix and the Allman Brothers. And, uh, you know, so blues rock, really. But when Albert Collins came out, he said the he spoke the same language to me. He he, he spoke to me in the same way that say uh, Stevie Ray had spoke to me. Except Albert did it with one note instead of a flurry of notes. Yeah, you know, Stevie Ray would come out with just a just a and and don't get me wrong, I love I still love Stevie Ray Vaughan, but he would come out with a million notes from the from the get go. Yeah, you know, and Albert Collins just came out and just ring and just hit that one note. <laughs> And, you know, all the hair stood up on my arms. Every time I tell the story, the hair stands up on my arms because, I mean, that, that note was just so, it was loud, it was big, it was powerful, like a rock concert, but it was pure yeah, and unadulterated. So that's um, what got me. Yeah, wow, the, you can say that much with one note. <laughs> There's somebody I interviewed many moons ago, and he said that a similar thing about B.B. King, and he said that that one note can make babies. Yeah, <laughs> that puts it well. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned about your your. Song. In my case, it kept me from having babies. 
<laughs> well, you mentioned about your, your songwriting there, and your songs have been covered by the likes of Tommy Castro and Frank Bay. That must be a great honour for you when you, you hear people doing your songs. Absolutely. There's no, there's no greater honour for a songwriter than to have somebody ask if they can cover one of your songs. But it really legitimises the whole thing. When they cover your songs, do you ever hear it and think, oh, I wish I'd done that bit? Uh, yeah, I do that, and then also the other way, like, huh, I wonder why he did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, the, at the end of the day, I, I I wouldn't want anyone to cover it exactly like I did it. The whole idea is that, um, you know, I try to write songs that are transcendent of myself, and, and and if it speaks to somebody else, then they should tell the story in their in their words. Yeah. And, and not just not just lyrically or vocally, but, you know, with the music, the whole the groove, the tempo, the whole thing, that's all part of the story. And you say you've been touring and recording for over 30 years now, and along the road you've met and worked with many, many people, Elvin Bishop, Charlie Musselwhite, Marcia Ball, Maria Moldauer. If we listed them all, we'd be here for quite some time. Yeah. Is, is there any nugget of information or advice that has stuck with you from those greats? Absolutely. You know, watching, watching great uh, band leaders and front men front women do their uh handle their business really i mean uh, not just on stage but off stage you know it's a it's a very uh hard thing to do to get people to get five people together in the same room at the same time to play a show just once you know much less put a tour together um you know you have to be uh, uh you have to be a leader so uh, it's not, you know, a good good bands never really work like democracies. I always mm. like to say democracies are, are great to live in, but they're horrible to to work for. Yeah, you know, you need somebody that can be that can lay down the law and and have the final vote, but at the same time wants input from from the band members. So I've just learned a lot of that. Like from and then and then different things along the way, like Elvin Bishop. The entire thing when Elvin hits the stage is that everybody has a good time. And Elvin's having so much fun playing music that it's infectious. And the entire the crowd, I've seen the crowd at an Elvin Bishop show. They just they just get up from the from the first note. They're up and and they're happy. And it's almost like, well, if you don't like it, you probably just leave within the first five minutes, and then everybody else can have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Have a good time, or don't be here. I've know? never seen him live, but I did have a chat with him last year, and he just seems so down to earth, no airs and graces yeah. about him. And, that, and you just touched on something there, and that's the main thing I've learned from every one of these people I've worked with, from from Bonnie Ray to Eldon to Charlie to Marsha Ball. To, they're they're all incredibly gracious, humble, and and nice people, and I think that's really what kept me in blues music for as as long as I have is that the people were were so nice there was no competitiveness there was no everybody's trying to prop everybody else up helping each other out and it's always been like that and it's a great uh, environment to be around yeah well in 2019 I went over to Memphis for the Blues Music Awards and when I first walked into the room I was like a rabbit in the headlights because there was all these people there I've been playing their music for years and there they are but yeah. they're not standoffish. You can go and have a chat with them, and they don't mind at all. No, I think in in our music, uh, you know, it's almost helpful that not 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 that many people listen to it. You know, because uh, we kind of know almost everybody that we you know the DJs. If you don't know them, you know somebody that knows them. 
you know, there's kind of this one or two degrees of separation between almost everybody in blues music right mm. now. So it makes for a good community. Going back to your most recent release, Just Getting Good, uh, that was recorded throughout the pandemic, once at Greaseland in San Jose. And you had the renowned Kid Anderson helping you out on that one. Is, is he someone that you've known for years? Yes, actually, uh, Kid Anderson replaced me in Terry Hank's band when he first, uh, I was I was the guitarist in Terry Hank's band um, when Kid moved to moved to America. I've, I've known him since he was 20 or 21 years old and uh, admired his playing. I mean, he came on the scene as just the greatest guitar player anybody had ever heard, and he was only 20, 20 years old. And then uh, it was no surprise when he started getting into recording and then playing other instruments as well that, you know, that, that he was going to master all those things as well. He's, he's just, a, he's just one of those guys that is really good at every, everything he does. So I've heard people say that he has a knack of drawing something out of the song that he didn't realize was there. Yeah. And we work really well together like that. Like the suggestions that he makes or that we make to each other, uh, when the first time I ever recorded with Kid, I was a little worried that, you know, here I am. It's always hard to play guitar with somebody that plays guitar better than you, mm. you know? So yeah. uh, it's a, it can be, I thought it would be intimidating, but it wasn't. He's the most encouraging. He, he doesn't ever want me to play like Kid Anderson. He wants to, he wants me to be the best Mike Shermer I can be. Yeah. So. And you were going for a, a live show feel on this album. So was it recorded? live from the floor yeah we almost always record at least the bass drums guitar and keyboards maybe two guitars or sometimes i'll have kid uh in the booth playing one other instrument along with the band but we always try to at least have that four-piece band uh right there and then maybe we can we add horns later or background vocal or something like that but yeah we really try to get that live feel it, it, it helps me not overthink the song or overarrange the songs because they have to be songs that, that I can play in my live show. Um, we've said before on this show that if you do it like that, sometimes there'll be something that comes up that isn't in the rehearsal, and it's just that magic moment that makes the song. No doubt about it. Or an idea that somebody has just right there in the moment that says, well, you know, do this. Or a, It can be as small as one little cymbal splash or a drum fill, or even a mistake. A lot of times it's a mistake that works. Yes. Yes, you know so that's the beauty of it, and that's that's really what gets back to to what blues music was originally intended. I think was to just be in the moment. If they invented the time machine, would you like to go back to nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, and play with the people from that era? Uh, honestly, if they if I had a time machine, and uh, you know, you wouldn't necessarily hear this in the music that I play or record, but uh, probably nineteen fifty late 40s 1950s uh new york jazz scene would be right. I, would, I would really like to get down in that you know be in greenwich village yeah when when miles davis and, and delonious monk and you know mm. charlie parker and and then especially the start of jazz when jazz guitar really started coming out and grant green was on the scene or kenny burrell that that would be awesome but also elvin has told me stories about showing up at in chicago in 1960 when you know you could go out and hear Elmore James, Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters, Magic Sam, 
James Cotton, Little Walter. I mean, you could hear all the crates of blues right there in Chicago on any given night. Yeah. That, that would have been something else, too. You know? Yeah. So the promotion for this album, Just Getting Good, that's taking off now. You, you're touring with that, are you? Yeah. Yeah, we're, try, we're trying to get it out there and uh, let the people hear these songs live. Um, I don't do a whole lot of uh, national touring with my own band. I've, I've done 30 years of that, uh, playing with Marsha and Maria and Elvin, and, and so I've, I've just tried to get my name out. That way, I, I sort of, I wouldn't say gave up on that dream, but uh, I, when I put out my first album in 1999, I, I did the whole thing. I bought a van, and I got two willing participants to, <laughs> to get in the van with me and drive out to places like Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I quickly realized how hard it was going to be, and this is another reason I get, uh, you know, you know, give a lot of props to people who have who've made it um, with their own name out there. And I, you know, for me, it was easy. It was not just easier, but I, I found it was a, a just as effective to go out with someone like Elvin Bishop and play to five or six hundred people a night rather than you know play my own little clubs and 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 play for twenty people a night. Again, we've said this before on this show that people see you on stage and it looks all glamorous and oh brilliant. What they don't see is two or three o'clock in the morning humping all the gear into the van then driving for miles <laughs> to the next one. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So and you know, wouldn't wouldn't trade this life for anything. It's been a gr- it's been a great road. But uh you know, you mentioned Tommy Castro, he he, he went com- the completely the other direction. And he did very well by it, you know, and it's been great for him. Uh, but man, when 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 I knew when Tommy moved to San Francisco, they were playing thirty nights a month just mm. in the San Francisco area, and then they started breaking out on the road, and they started, you know, they got in the van and they went out there and played two hundred, two hundred fifty nights a year. Mm. And uh, you want to talk about working hard? That guy has worked harder than almost anybody I've ever met in my life. So. But like you said right at the start, the guy serving you pizza in the restaurant could be a brilliant guitarist, so you've got to work hard to get your name out there. Yeah, yeah, and, and you have to, you know, which, what your priorities are, what, you know, what what do you want in your life, you know? Yeah. So I've always appreciated going out on the road, but then also coming home. Yeah. So what are the plans for the future then? The promotion for this, obviously, that's going on, but are you looking towards the next album? Yeah, I'm always I'm always writing songs. I'm always uh, looking ahead, looking for stories. That's, that's kind of what I, I do these days. I, I, I'm not one of these songwriters that just wakes up in the morning and says, "I need what shall I write about today." I'm more just like go out in the world, talk to people, uh, listen to their stories, look for observe things, and look for things to write about. And then a, a moment of inspiration will hit me, and, and it'll turn into a song. So I'm more doing that. I'm enjoying. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're back out playing gigs again after COVID, and that's that's been fun. But also being home during COVID and uh, being with uh, K- Kimmy Pickens, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying being home. I'm, I'm turning 56 this year. So, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to trying to find a nice uh, balance in yeah. my life between uh, being out, on, you know, going out and playing the gigs. I still love the gigs. I still love meeting people and playing for people. The traveling has gotten has gotten really hard it's gotten harder every year it's gotten harder to find gigs in the midweek so it's a challenging business it's almost like if you don't already have a name out there um and a big draw it's it's really hard yeah to to get out there so one final question going back to 
how you describe songwriting. You go out there and you find inspiration. So do you record that on your phone? Do you have a little handheld recorder or notepad? How yeah, you... a lot of times just voice memos on my iPhone these days. I'll just, I'll think, if, if somebody says, maybe somebody says an expression, and I say, oh, that, that sounds good, you know, and, and I'll just put it down. And usually when I hear when I hear something or I think of a hook or think of a line, sometimes it's just the title of the song can, can inform the whole thing. And then I'll just, that'll go along kind of with a musical hook. So I'll almost either say it or just sing it, sing the hook into, into my iPhone and then think about it later, you know, just let it germinate. So is that by the side of your bed in case you get inspiration in the night? Yeah, any, anywhere. <laughs> it can be anywhere, you know, all around you. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, it's been an absolute joy talking to you, and I hope we can do it again sometime. Likewise, anytime. Great talking to you, and thanks for, I uh, really appreciate the uh, the spins of the album. Hope everybody enjoys it. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there, and there will be more as we record more for the show, and we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So, plenty more to come, and of course, if you want to hear the whole show, There is always listen again. I'll see you next time. Take care.